Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, you look great. How you doing? I'm doing really, really wonderful, Steve. Excellent. <laughs> well, uh, we are joined today by uh, my dear friend. Ramona Shelburne, who is one of the biggest names there is in sports. Momo, how are you? I'm good, Mace. How are you? Everything's great. I wanted to get you on because you've never actually done, you did the show with me, but you've never done the show with Sue. I know. And I, this is like a major upgrade for me. I mean, I, I only get to see you at, 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 I only get to see you all the time, but I yes. see Sue at your parties and like, you know, this is, she's like the real star of the show. I mean, that's... Oh, uh, I, I remember when you came on the show, I was so upset and <laughs> and, and a little bit pissed off at Steve. <laughs> <laughs> because we did it without her. Yes. Yeah. She was upset about that. <laughs> well, so the, by the way, it's Momo's birthday today. Happy yeah. birthday, Momo. Happy thanks, birthday. Thanks. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind working on my birthday because then everybody knows it's your birthday. Otherwise... You're just sitting at home and like waiting to go out to dinner at the end of the night. Yeah. How many Facebook friends am I going to get a happy birthday from? <laughs> <laughs> so the premise here is we're going to do three questions and I've got three okay. questions that each of us are going to tackle uh, and they're easy. It's not like we do on the uh, radio when we do wheel of questions and it's just crazy, insane stuff. This is just really easy stuff. Okay. So I want to start with favorite childhood memory. What is your favorite childhood memory, Momo? Well, so I'm the guest. So I, do I get to go first? Is yeah, that, we're going to have that, you mm-hmm. go first. I was yeah. going to defer to the host, the home team there. But okay. So my favorite childhood memory, you mean like, so this could be, I have like several that come to mind. Yeah, um, tell us what comes to mind. Okay. So my, my, the first one that pops into my head was honestly, when I just went on, I went to Hawaii with my parents mm-hmm. and we, we went like walking on the lava there. Like you're mm-hmm. not supposed to do that, but my mom was a little bit of a daredevil. And we, I don't, I think we were like the dumb Americans who like just <laughs> didn't think it would happen to us. <laughs> right? So we just like went walking on the lava and, and I just, I don't know. I just thought it was so like sp- cool. Like we were walking on the lava. And then later on we found that we actually saw like real magma, like wow. real cool magma and i just like as a kid that was the coolest place to how go. old were and, you when this happened like seven or eight wow like, we were like walking on the and then later on we found out yeah it was super dangerous like we totally could have got like swallowed up by magma hot magma and all that but um i don't know like i just felt like i was on some mythical journey like going into the rainforest walking on the lava you know what's crazy i have I go to the Big Island. That's that's yeah. the place I usually go. That's where we went. That's where we walked on the lava. Yeah. I have never left the hotel to go see the <laughs> lava. I've, ne- I've never even left. I mean, I go somewhere and I just lay around, read a book, swim, yeah. go to the beach. I don't go. I don't do any exploring. So as many times as I've been to the Big Island, I've never seen the lava. Yeah, I, that, that trip for me was like, I, I'm kind of an adventurous person. So... I used to, I grew up reading all those books, like the adventurous and like everything we did on that was fairly dangerous. Um, very adventurous. (laughs) Like we were like definitely, definitely doing things that I don't know if we should have done with young children, but most of the other childhood trips we would take were long car rides. Yeah. Like that one was just the coolest thing ever walking on the magma and seeing the like actual lava. 
Yeah, you know, I've I've been to Hawaii and I've I we drove by, but there was yeah. nothing active there. So when you say that you're walking on the lava, I mean, yeah. was it was it hot? The part we walked on was warm. There was like actual. It was, it was still warm. Wow. <laughs> like there was like actually some that was like it, it's like a slow ooze. So it's not like it's rushing down the volcano or anything, but like it's definitely oozing. Yeah. <laughs> so like, couldn't could it burn like the sole of your shoes? That part was, it wasn't warm enough. To, if I stayed there long enough, I bet it would have. But like huh. the, it, there was an area where it was super warm. So like, and, and it, I don't know. I just have never had that, that right up close and personal wow. uh, to, to something from the earth like that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sue, what about you? Favorite childhood memory? Um, My uncle had box seats to Shea Stadium. Mm. Uh, they were like four rows up from the Mets dugout. And I, I went to my first, that was my first baseball game. And, um, we went down and got autographs throughout the game. And that to me was just thrilling. We were like four rows up. So I got like Jerry Kuzman's autograph, Jerry Grody and Ed Charles. And then the coolest thing is that a week after someone told me that they saw my picture in the sporting news. Wow. So I still have it to this day. I'm standing in a crowd of kids um, with my program. I was 11 years old. It was the year before the Miracle Mets. Yeah. And, um, and, and I got my picture in, in the paper. Wow. That's nice. fantastic. You know, it reminds me, I, this is sort of a tangent, but my dad was a huge fan of those 85 Mets. You know, the Daryl Strawberry, <laughs> yeah. Doc Gooden Mets. So I've told this story before, but it's a, it's a good one. So my dad was nuts. I mean, he was certifiable. Um, and he, Sue, was like you and all the kids, he would be at the railing trying to get autographs from players. And I'm like, here's this, you know, this adult grown man and all these 12 year olds trying to get autographs. So my dad's got a baseball and he starts yelling, straw, straw. I can totally see your dad do this. He's trying to get (laughs) Daryl Strawberry's attention. Straw, straw. Finally, Daryl Strawberry, just to get him off his back, comes, starts walking towards my dad. And my dad says, send Gooden over here. I need his autograph. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh how humiliating. <laughs> so your dad, though. That is oh. so your dad. <laughs> so crazy. Did, did he get Gooden's autograph? He did. He got Gooden's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> he basically stood there till he got the whole team. He All got right, that so, and an eight ball of Coke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in those days, <laughs> yes, for that team. So uh, my five favorite childhood memory is uh, that every Thanksgiving, we would go on a holiday trip to my grandmother's house, both my grandmothers actually. But on the first night, that Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, we would get to Claysburg, Pennsylvania to my grandmother and grandfather's house, Ann and Steve Mashansky, Steve Mashansky Sr. My dad was Steve Mashansky Jr. I'm Steve the third. And we brought a bottle. My dad always brought a bottle of Crown Royal in the purple bag, you know, classy. Yeah. Very classy. <laughs> so we ordered highway pizza and every year as a little kid, I was like eight or nine years old. We would all drink a shot of crown Royal. So as a little Whoa. kid, <laughs> I had a Whoa. shot of crown Royal the night before every Thanksgiving. And it was a wow. tradition. At what age? <laughs> I, probably, probably eight years old, nine years Whoa. old. Wow. I, man, I slept, we, I, all I got was Manischewitz. I yeah, slept, I slept well that night. That's for sure. 
Yeah, the I mean, Crown Royal. Dang. The purple I mean, like, bag. I, you know, we always have like Manischewitz on, on. I'm Jewish, right? So we have all these for Passover. And I was kind of like into the Manischewitz. To the, at one point, like, you know, they kind of had to say like, Ramona, that's a little too much Manischewitz. You know, it's like, and I'm like, it's like grape juice. But they're like, yeah, but you're a kid. You're not supposed to. Exactly. Drink all eight glasses, right? But yeah, wow. I was drinking. I was drinking Crown Royal as a kid. Damn. Drinking Crown Royal. Well, you know, I remember growing up. I'm Jewish too, and I, and 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 I was going to say, well, it was like a Jewish thing, but obviously not because you're not Jewish, Steve. But when I was a kid, I'm a contact you. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You're you're Jew adjacent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there were um, like all my parents' friends and and my relatives. They thought it was really cute. That like little kids would take like, you know, a swig of whiskey or take a puff on a cigarette. We'd be like, oh, look, look, she knows how to inhale. And I was like six years old. Oh, my gosh. They thought it was really funny. Like like we were toys. (laughs) It was ridiculous. (laughs) Cute is not the word that I would use. Actually, we're laughing about it now. So I think it was kind of cute. I mean, this explains a lot about both of you. It does. It does. It does. All right. So we're going to move on. Question number two. What is your favorite movie all time? Momo? Okay, so I thought we were doing childhood movies. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go with childhood movies. Okay, for now. go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so the movie I watched so many times when I was a kid, Stand By Me. I had oh, seen that yeah. movie to the hmm. point where I can quote lines from it. And I had the biggest crush on River Phoenix. <laughs> biggest crush, right? And like to the point where, I mean, all men in my early eight, nine, ten-year-old Ramona self are compared to River Phoenix in that movie. Um, but they, like every so, so much of that one in childhood was uh, was just the, 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 you know, as you can tell, I'm like an adventurous little kid, so I yeah. like them going for a camping trip. I like all the adventures they get into. And I definitely really watch River Phoenix. Tell, tell you something. Every day. R- River Phoenix was an unbelievable actor. Unbelievable yeah. actor. He made a movie called Running on Empty with Judd Hirsch and Christine Lottie mm. that just, he got nominated for an Oscar for it. But I mean, it breaks me up at the end every single time. It's such a tragedy uh, that he passed away so young because I think he was going to be the great star of his generation. Mm. Yeah. And well, his, I mean, his he ended up, yeah. In the same, I mean, in that movie, he dies young too, right? That was, yeah. the, that was I'm reading the movie. Shoot, if you haven't seen it, stand by me. Um, yeah, the the spoiler <laughs> alert is uh, we're past that time now. Past that yeah. time. All but right. Uh, of, yeah. What's Sue, yours? What's Sue yours? yours. This is a tough one for me because I, you know, I I wouldn't say that I actually have like a quintessential favorite movie, but I'm going to go comedy. My favorite comedy movie is Annie Hall. Mm. Um. Again, growing up Jewish. Yep. <laughs> and his depiction. Of when he's when they split the screen and he has his family and her family, her Gentile family having dinner and the the just the difference between, you know, being, you know, the Gentiles being very refined and the Jews are like yelling at each other and like reaching over each other and and talking about them, the, the cleaning lady and 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 they need a new cleaning lady. And it's like, you know, but, you know, but she's but she steals and it's like, who cares? And and it was just it was such a brilliant depiction of New York 
Brooklyn, um, the house under the cyclone ride yep, <laughs> at Coney yep. Island. I mean, um, what's his name? Um, who played Dwayne? Um, Christopher uh, Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah, the he brother. was the cr- crazy Dwayne when crazy he's crazy train in the when car. He, when he's in the car and Woody <laughs> Allen's in the car and he's afraid he's going to like swerve <laughs> into traffic. Well, he said, you know, a lot of times when I'm behind the wheel, I like to swerve into oncoming traffic <laughs> and then and then well he says that before and then cut to he's taking them to the airport yeah, exactly exactly now so that's, that's an all-time classic yeah it was great all right so for me uh when i was not and now when i was a kid i saw a lot of advanced movies like i remember being 10 years old and watching bonnie and clyde or watching uh uh what else uh Faye Dunaway and in, in whatever. Um, and ultimately it was Faye Dunaway. It was Faye Dunaway and it was Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. And mm. so when I was a kid, I was probably 12 years old or 13 years old when I saw Chinatown for the first time. And I really believe that's the moment that I fell in love with Los Angeles. Um, had I not seen Chinatown, which was so LA, LA of that period, right? Yeah. Uh, that great noir uh, style of Roman Polanski in that movie. That's when I fell in love with Los Angeles. And if I hadn't seen that movie, I'm not sure if I'd be living here right now. Um, wow. I, I also love the sort of melancholy ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I always, I never liked happy endings. I always liked endings that were kind of unresolved. And I just love, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. It's such a classic moment uh, in the in the movie. Yeah, uh, and the score was so oh, great. The score too. is incredible. Yeah. Nicholson, that mm-hmm. that's like one of the great Nicholson performances. Oh yeah, John Huston. <laughs> oh, John Huston. It is so evil. Mr. Mr. Giddis. <laughs> he called him Mr. Giddis. Uh yeah, so uh Chinatown is for me. And by the way, in that category in the same neighborhood is uh is Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fargo is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. In fact, I hate to do this. Uh, my dog is outside. Sophie's outside. She's 15 years old. But we've already decided that our next dog will be named Dang. Marge. Will oh, be how named, could you do that? Will be named Marge after the lead character in Fargo. All of our dogs have got movie character names. So Marge is our next dog. Um, you know, dogs I, have you know, dogs have really, like, really super sensitive hearing. So yeah. Sophie, Sophie heard that. Dang, <laughs> she's fifteen. I don't know how I feel about all that. She but heard wait, you. She's fifteen. She's deaf. <laughs> on top of everything else, we can say anything. Yeah, she's it, deaf. It's good around well, also, of we July. know. I just heard today on your radio show that there's a possum family living in your backyard. There so I'm is. like. <laughs> nah, I'm worried about you. Go get Sophie for outside. And yeah, there's a f- family of, of nasty possums living in my yard. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? Did you call? Animal I don't know who rescue? to. I don't know who to call. Get the spray. Get you the have spray. to call. You have to call animal animal rescue because we had skunks living under our house. Yeah. When when we in our old house, and we had someone come and set up cages in our backyard. Right. And then they. Uh, took them and you know they didn't kill them they took them and you know put them in someone else's yard put them in somebody else's yard it's <laughs> a good plan it's uh, like i could have done that <laughs> yeah no i i gotta figure out because i some on the radio sue. today there were people that said no they're they're not nice with dogs they're not so sue wait yeah. there's no way that you could trap a skunk yourself 
Like, even if you got the skunk into the cage, do you really think it's going to be good for you if you approach the cage and try to relocate it yourself? Probably not. There's probably a class that for it. skunk is getting like, you. There's probably like some sort of skunk learning no. annex No, or there's something. people who, my, my mom had to do this. She had to go get the skunk person to come out and trap the skunk. And she described, she said the guy came out and he is exactly what you think somebody who does this for a living would look like. Yes. <laughs> and the guy stunk. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and she took pictures. She just said the whole thing was like, she was like, I'm just going to pay him whatever he wants. He needs to get the skunk out of the backyard. Yeah. And like, they can't, definitely got they can't sprayed. He, like, they, they basically have this like, they have this like a uh, big blanket and they, they get him in the cage and then they have to like toss the blanket from as far away as they can because they know the skunk's going to spray him. Right. So they just try to catch right. the spray with this big blanket, but it always ends up getting on them. So, you, know? so yeah. like, you didn't yeah. you didn't hear this, but but the possum. So yeah. we're on vacation. We go to <laughs> Calistoga uh, for vacation last week, and uh, Juan, my partner, um, is constantly on next door. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's I'm on not. next door, it's... and he sees this picture of a possum <laughs> with three babies on it. And he's like, oh, that's weird. It's in our neighborhood. That's so weird. And then he follows down the line. And finally, it's our address. It's you can see them at XYZ Street and go check them out. So here we are on vacation and we're reading about these possums that are living in our yard. It is the weirdest (laughs) thing. So were your dogs home with a dog sitter? They were home with a dog sitter. Yes. Did you warn the dog sitter? I wa- The dog sitter saw the possums. Ooh. She, she saw them. She knew they were there. So anyways, uh, we still don't know what we're going to do with the possums because we don't, we don't see them anymore. Like we know they're out there in the trees somewhere, but we have no idea exactly just, where. You so. call, just call Animal Rescue and they'll yeah. send somebody over. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good idea. All right. Uh, third question. Favorite career highlight. Favorite career highlight. Highlight, and this is a tough one, I think, for all three of us because we've all been really fortunate in life and have had great, great moments in our careers. Momo, if you have to winnow it down and choose one career highlight, what do you choose? Okay, so there's a lot of different ways I could frame this like, if it's about me or if it's about my favorite story that I ever worked on or did, like, what, no, what it's, do you, it's what, about you, your favorite career highlight, whatever that means to you. Okay. Um, I remember when I was it's like 2015 and you remember like this is before I jinxed Ronda Rousey. Okay. Yes, You're right. Before I, like, you went her. to, before you went to Australia and ruined her career. Yeah. I know. It's like, <laughs> you, it's all my fault. Um, but I really did. I was really drawn to Rhonda's story and Rhonda herself because I felt like it was, it kind of coincided with something that probably I was going through at that moment in my life and my career too. And it was a big female empowerment moment of me sort of breaking out of my shell a little bit, not just on radio and TV, but as a writer and kind of feeling like myself and feeling like I, I was, I don't know, just trusting myself and sort of living in my own skin a little bit more as opposed to just kind of, you know, I'm just a writer and I hide behind it, you know, whatever it is. Right? I think I've always had a little um, self-consciousness, I guess the right way to put it. And, um, I was, I, you know, a little bit, um, I, I, you would say I'm a little bit too nice sometimes, right? I, I kind of yeah, make you're nice a, with people. You're you know? overly nice, whatever yeah, that means. I, think overly I, you know, nice. I, I make nice instead of, you know, whatever that is. And I, I just kind of got sick of it. I kind of got tired of 
being the nice girl, always doing what I'm supposed to do, not saying what I'm, and I, I think that's why I was drawn to Rhonda because that's why she, that's, that's why she became famous, right? Sure. She just, she just said what she thought and she didn't care if you liked it and she didn't apologize for it. And, um, you know, part of it for me is about like success. Right. So I was always afraid of success. I, but then somebody would say, great, that was such a great story. And I'd be like, oh no. And I'd find seven reasons to diminish the compliment. And I was like, I kind of got to the point in my life where I was like, okay, I need to say just thank you. I don't know. That was awesome. Yeah, that was good. Right. Yeah. Like, I, you know, mm. just like lean into your own power. So anyway, I'm doing the story um with her. And it was right in and around when I was having um, I had a pretty big decisive contract negotiation there where it was like big gut check moment. I was deciding. I can, I can say it now. It's yeah, okay. sure. Um, so Adrian Wojnarowski was doing the vertical. He was at Yahoo at the time. And, right. he, and I really thought about joining him. He really, he's a very good recruiter. He had like Kobe called me. He had like, you know, all these wow. like people in the NBA, mm. like call me and tell me to come, you know, join him at Yahoo. And I was, I was very drawn to it. And uh, just because Woj is a dominator, he's awesome. And, yep. but I didn't want to leave the platform of ESPN. And anyway, I went through this big thing. I ended up deciding to stay, but they, they did a big, you know, uh, uh, let's keep her, right? So everybody's showing you the love. I felt very appreciated and all that. And at the at that moment, it was very stressful, but that was when I was hanging out with Rhonda all the time. And I was doing this embedded story with her. I'm traveling with her. And I remember I said yes to the contract to stay at ESPN. And the first trip that I went on after I, I agreed to stay and was was going on that flight to Australia to go cover her fight. And it was the first time in my life that I had flown first class and I had it mm. finally written into my contract that I had first class air. And I got on the flight and I was like, this is the coolest mama I made it moment. Mm, <laughs> like I'm yeah. sitting in like the most awesome first class seat, going to Australia, covering the biggest story in the world. Like I just, I don't know. That, yeah, that's, that was heady. Like, that's, that's heavy huge. stuff. Heady. Yeah, that was heavy. Yeah. And then, of course, I totally jinxed her, right? And right, she lost, she lost the fight. Holly Holm knocked her out. Yeah, like, <laughs> didn't Holly Holm knock her out in the first, too? Wouldn't, didn't it go really Sex, fast? I think, yeah, it was really fast. It was really <laughs> fast, yeah. I mean, but you talked about, it was a, this is about me, right? This is about me. <laughs> it doesn't have a happy ending. But it was, you know, that was a big highlight moment. I just remember sitting in that seat. And they were like, "Would you? can we get you a pre-flight beverage? Would you like some oh, champagne? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like. Oh my gosh, all those years that I toiled at, you know, living it, I had to live at home with my parents. You know, we all have these. Right. You felt like you, you, felt like you, yeah. you felt like you officially made it. I finally felt like I made it. Did you they offered um, did, me champagne? Oh. Did you, did you, uh, what kind of relationship did you have with her post, uh, you know, interview, oh, yeah, post so fight? Good. Yeah, we're so good. Oh, I good. ended up doing a bunch more stories. I mean, I don't think she blames me for the jinx. I mean, I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but I don't know if she had it framed that way. You know, <laughs> like Mason, you sold her on like why I'm the jinx, baby. Um, but uh, <laughs> we ended up staying in touch. I I still text with her sometimes. Stuff. You know what I oh, love about cool. Rhonda? She oh, she cool. had this career where, um, you know, she said a lot of things, and then kind of like when you're the person who talks a big game, and you talk a lot of trash, and you talk a big game, and then you lose. You have to be a good loser, and she wasn't a good loser. Okay, so mm-hmm. that was that was um, probably her downfall. But she always said to she always said to me, she goes, you know, I just I feel like I gave so much of myself to the world for a lot of years. I'm just, you know, I just need to, I need to go away and I need to like live my life. And she goes, next time you talk to me, I'm going to be barefoot and pregnant, you know, out on mm. some, some farm and I'm just going to go live, you know, and you, you'll never hear from me again. You know what? She's actually doing it. 
She wow. lives out on a farm with her husband, Travis, and she's pregnant right now. She's going to have her baby pretty soon. I think she's very pregnant. Last time I texted her, she goes, I go, how are you doing? She's like, I'm really big. <laughs> you know, like She's really pregnant. And they have this farm out there and they, ra- they raise like Wagyu beef and they're into like sustainable farming wow. and they're really into all these, you know, the chickens yeah, good and ducks and like, yeah, good for her. Like yeah. she totally did what she said she was going to do. By the way, you mentioned, you. you mentioned flying first class. Here's the problem with yeah. first class. This is for me anyway. So I never flew first class. I never got onto an airplane until I was 18 years old. We wow. didn't We didn't fly. I flew to New York on my senior trip, and that was the first time on a plane. And the idea of first class was ridiculous to me uh, because I kn- I'd never flown first class. So finally saved up enough miles to fly first class to Europe. And I'm telling you, it makes such a difference on a really long flight to be in yeah, first class. Yeah, it really class. does. And it's really hard to go back on the yes. other side of the curtain. Yes. Like, <laughs> I want to be on the right side of the curtain, not on the wrong side of the curtain. And I always I wondered, like, that curtain, what's going on up there? Like, yeah, what they, I know. Why do they and even now need you know. that curtain? Now I know. They're, I know. they're, living, I know. they're living the life. It's it's yeah. like plain. It's like plain. Let's make a deal. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Uh, all <laughs> no, right, there, was, there, there was actually just speaking of that. There was a. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a first class airline many years ago called Grand Air. No. And I did a show in New York. It was called Women Allowed, and they flew every comedian on this airline. And the entire airline was first class. Oh, there was nice. A, there was a bar. <laughs> You're like hanging out at a bar. Every cool. seat was, was, it was, it was a first class seat. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. And then when you wind up back in economy, you're like, oh, God. Oh, God, I know. I'm with the steerage. You're I like know. Leo in the uh, oh, steerage on <laughs> Titanic. Totally. <laughs> All right, Sue, favorite career highlight? Well, you know, it's a little twofold for me because I've had two careers. You know, I had a long career as a stand-up comedian. So, um, so in that world, um, the greatest thing I ever did was I did a show called The Young Comedians. It was Bob Hope's Young Comedian Special. Mm. And I got to hang out with Bob Hope and Phyllis Diller. Wow. So I did the show, and then Bob Hope invited all the comics back to his house in Toluca Lake. Yeah. And he has a, um, on the property, he had a, a par three hole. Yeah. So I brought a seven iron, <laughs> and I was teeing off. In his backyard with oh, Alan cool. Thick and all the other comedians and Phyllis Diller. So wow. that to me was my greatest moment as a stand-up. As a, a producer, the greatest thing I ever did was working on the Osbournes. That to me is the PA de resistance of my of, of really of my career because it was you know groundbreaking. Um, you know, we we were doing reality TV the way reality TV was supposed to be done. It yes. was real. There, you know, nobody told anybody what to say. Nobody reshot anything. You just shot a ton of footage and you created a show based on what you had. And spending all that time in the Osborne's house and, you know, getting to know, you know, Ozzy and Sharon, I spent um, New Year's, we spent New Year's Eve with them, New Year's Day, um, that to me was was no, the that's greatest. Really cool. I've been chasing that high my whole career. Yeah, that was yeah. the greatest job I ever had. So for me, it is. I'll also have have two things here. The first one was when I was programming 
93QWRQN in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> and I was the program director, the morning guy. I was, I, I basically, I did run the place. And we had a promotion, uh, promotional idea uh, that uh, some company came in and, and, and offered us. And it was to be buried alive for 48 hours. Mm. Um, and so I agreed to do this. And there was a coffin. There was a hole dug. Uh, I got into the coffin. It was lowered in, dirt over the top, and a little tube that led, like, basically from my face up above the ground so I could breathe and stuff. There was a little camera inside the coffin. So people upstairs could, uh, people uh, above the ground could see what was going on inside the coffin. Uh, I was there for 48 hours. We raised, it was a fundraiser. We raised $100,000 to uh, help the Toledo Public Schools uh, continue to offer the full complement of uh, athletic programs. Uh, but coming out of there, I was so buzzed. I was so high. It felt like just, a, I mean, it was a once in a lifetime, but just a tremendous crazy accomplishment. Um, and there was a huge crowd there when I came out of the car. I mean, it's just like really, really cool. All right. Before you tell your next story. Yes. So like 48 hours, Yeah. like I could never do that because I have to pee so often. Yes. So what, what happened there? So the deal was that for, <laughs> for two days bef- before, for two days before the event, no eating and no drinking. This was not safe at all by, by any stretch, but I didn't eat or drink anything for two days prior to when I went down and then didn't eat or drink anything while I was down there. Um, I had a panic moment at one point. I think it was like the second night. And I said, you guys got to get me some NyQuil. I was like totally in a panic. And I was strung out on NyQuil at that point in my career where I needed it to sleep. Does anybody else ever have that? No, that's probably. Well, I went through a little NyQuil bout. Yeah. So I had him drop down a bottle of NyQuil and I uh, <laughs> chugged it and I was able to sleep through the second night and make it. But it was intense. It was intense. Uh, Did you just other- not go to the bathroom the whole time? Yeah, though? Like, to- I'm still not clear. Yeah, didn't go to the bathroom. Didn't <laughs> eat or- didn't eat or drink for two days before. So there was no eating or drinking once I was in there. Yeah. There so you no- were just like not eating, drinking, or going to the bathroom and existing on NyQuil. Like you, <laughs> this, this feels like, I can't believe you. What, did you survive this career wise? Like, what did you say on air? Oh, I mean, sur- survive it. It made, me the, it made me the biggest star in Toledo. Whoa, that's something. I mean, all the TV news stations, all that stuff. No, it was great. They, you know, the other one is, and it, it was my 50th birthday, right around my 50th birthday. Um, I was invited to participate in the Toyota Celebrity uh, Grand Prix in Long cool. Beach. And I went to training. Uh, the very first day, I remember supermodel Donna Feldman was in the race, and she and I bonded right away. Uh, beautiful woman and a gay guy, go figure. So um, sh- we both get in the car and realize neither one of us drives stick. We just assumed it would be automatic. We didn't drive stick. So all of a sudden, not only are we training to be race car drivers, we're also training to drive stick. And it was a total friggin' nightmare. It scared the hell out of me. And there was a moment we were training out in Palmdale. There's a track training out in Palmdale. 
And I called uh, Juan and I said, I cannot do this. I, I just, there's no possible way. I'm not going to survive this race. I cannot do it. And he said, take a couple of Xanax and go to sleep. So that's what I did. I woke up the next day, went back to training and ultimately got good enough that it could actually participate in the race. And I ended up, and I was the worst driver there. My nickname was the human pylon. Um, <laughs> everybody is, everybody's driving around me the entire time. Um, you just went so slow, right? I went so slow. I was like so how fast? careful. Like, like how fast, how fast were you going? Um, well, like in a straightaway, I would be at 95. Oh, okay. That's pretty fast. But, uh, but Alfonso Ribeiro, who was the guy that uh, won the race, passed me twice. He was doing the, he was doing the, uh, the straightaways at 115. I mean, he was passed really you, blown he by. He passed you twice within 30 seconds. <laughs> no, he passed me twice in a 10-lap race. I mean, he was, he was just crushing it. But I had such a good time. There were so many cool people there. Dara Torres, the swimmer, and Trent Reznor, lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, and uh, Mark McGrath, lead singer of Sugar Ray, and all these, like, really cool Josh Morrow from Days of Our Lives. Yeah, I mean, uh, just really cool people. But when I finished that race, I just felt like that was one of the – I was so buzzed. I was so high. I was so excited. My mom and dad got to come down by the race car. My whole family got to get – we got a picture of me and a bunch of the racers in front of my own race car, which had my name on it. I mean, it was like it, – it was through the roof cool. So – and on top of everything else, uh, I was at a career low weight and looked great in my racing suit. I probably That's weighed awesome. – Weighed a buck ninety eight. I weighed a buck eighty eight and uh, looked great in the racing suit. So I oh, that's, just that's very important. It was. I always say after every picture, <laughs> do them? Do I look thin? <laughs> my biggest concern. I don't care what my me if too. I'm smiling or not. Anybody do I look who tells thin? you different is lying. Oh, Anybody yeah, does. That's right. Like that's literally, true. my mom was going through like old pictures of me, and she was sending me and every picture. I'm like, God, I'm so hot. Like I was so <laughs> skinny. Like I should show you this photo of me, and I was like. It's, it's amazing what I look like. Like I look at myself now and I'm like, oh, this is my 20s then. My God, is that, I was so skinny back then. I used, yeah. Back then I thought I was like fat and ugly and this and I'm like, God, if I only would have known then, I would have enjoyed this more. Like these years, <laughs> like what would happen later? Everything is about how skinny did I look at that moment? Come yeah. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, um, this was fun. Yeah. yeah. This was the goal. Just a quick little uh, podcast. Momo, I really yeah. appreciate you doing this. Thank you very, very much. You're you're so welcome. That was a fun little birthday treat for me. And, uh, and you know, I the show is sponsored. Did you know that? Our podcast is sponsored? I do. Let me guess. <laughs> Call you know? Jacob. <laughs> Call Jacob. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, my friend Jacob from Ronnie. Uh, I listen, who, I know. I who has uh, been doing this for a quarter century. If you are injured in any kind of accident in Southern California, even out to the desert, I see billboards for him out in the desert. He is the man you want on your side. Um, he's a real guy, a real attorney, and a real champion to make sure he gets you the compensation that you deserve. Uh, the number to call, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or Ramona, I'm going to tell you, every week, Sue and I try to sing the jingle together. So I want you to tell us how we All do, right. okay? okay? Ready? Right. Accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call, Call Jacob. Jacob. 
I think that was pretty good. I mean, I know you guys are not in the same place. Right. So if you were in the same place, I would say that was a little off there, but you know what? (laughs) (laughs) We always, we always think it's off. That was one of the better ones. Yeah, I it think. was pretty good, actually. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the orangery. And like, you get. <laughs> <laughs> like, orangery becomes like extra syllables there that made it work. Okay. Yep, I'm going with it. So, uh, what, what are you doing? What are you doing uh, for the rest of the day for your birthday? Yeah. So, I am almost. So, on Mondays, we always go over to my folks' house. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a almost three year old, so we bring him over to Grandma and Grandpa's house for a little while, and that is um, a good excuse for me and Nevin sometimes to go out to dinner. So we're going to go to a good little birthday dinner, and then this weekend, I kind of I was going to go this week this weekend, but it's still the NBA finals, so I'm like kind of in the middle of a really busy time. So I said, you know what? Let's wait till next weekend when the finals are over. So I'm going to I'm going up to Santa Barbara for the weekend with my really good friend Allie, who's been my best friend since like third grade mm-hmm. um and we're just going to spend the week i don't want to say the resort in case like people come find me wait a minute you said it on the radio today did i yeah i thought i just said santa barbara no you said the name of the resort oh. <laughs> i don't know Ron- ronda rousey ronda rousey may show up yeah yeah i mean you know it's okay if you want to buy me a drink or something that's fine but uh <laughs> no we're going there for a couple of nights oh ah, that's great i would yeah i would take Neb, but then i'd have to have somebody watch the kids so you know there you go so it sounds like, like child care problems right so it's, it's actually kind of fun to go with my girlfriend too nice nice yeah. Oh. Yeah. well momo thanks a lot for doing this yeah, I didn't think I would be reliving my hot magma story on here anytime. No, it was like, great. Was, it was great. Yeah, and hot Sue, magma. Sue, great as always. <laughs> yeah, and a, a real treat having you, Momo. Yeah, thanks, Sue. And uh, thanks, everybody. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate, and review if you're on Spotify or if you're on iTunes. Like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast. You'll get it every single week. We appreciate that, and we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>